0: Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached.
1: Good morning, thank you. Uh, As we now fiddle around with the microphones, I remember the story many years ago. There was a very strong preacher, and uh, he was very fired up. And as he preached the flames started coming out of the microphone and the people said, Bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. But then they found, of course, there was short in the microphone. But, you know. So uh, <clears throat> good morning. I'm happy to be part of you. It's a privilege for us to be here when our little grandson uh, is given back to the Lord and for our family to be part of this and for you to also to witness it. We had the privilege of having a little holiday, and we went down to the Cape, and then we visited some of our friends there, and we attended all of their marriages, and that's why we visited them, because when you witness something like we witnessed today, you also take up a responsibility to what we said, and you were part of it for each other, to care for each other in the way that they will feel it and that's why we visited these couples and it was wonderful for us to see that in spite of their troubles they are making it positively every day more and more and that is absolutely wonderful to see that now I have this quotation that I read the other day and when I thought about it Many of you will know C. S. Lewis. He was a very famous, uh, well known—I wouldn't say famous, but a well known—Christian apologetic. He was a professor in one or other very interesting, like medieval literature, or whatever. And he was an atheist for many years, and he only came to the Lord in his mid-thirties. And he was—he uh, wrote quite a few books that are very interesting to read. And then he said this, of what happened during the World War, and it happens throughout the ages, since since Satan took control of the world, this is his aim, to come and destroy. And it happens in cycles, it happens in families, he's there all the time, doing exactly this, to cause anxiety, fear, panic shutdowns, uh, disrupts worship services, and causing economic disasters. That's what Satan does in countries in the world, and if you allow him, he will also do it in your life. But the wonderful thing about Jesus, and that's why I'm excited about him, and when, when, when we sang all those beautiful songs of worship to Jesus, He's the strength of our lives. And if he's not your strength, today will be a good day to invite him to become and be that. Because he cannot fail you. He also gives you joy. But one of the things, you know, James, brother James, who was also a brother of Jesus, a half-brother of Jesus, when he wrote these interesting words, which is not easy to do, like count it all joy when this and this and this happens to you, Actually, that word, county joy, means you appoint joy. You make a decision to become joyful. So it's a wonderful thing for us when Jesus says what he, he wants for us, like when we prayed for little Alexander. And for every one of you, and that's a wonderful thing why I am excited, when you talk to people, for everybody that hears these words, it is true. If you accept them and if you walk in God, Jesus says, I will bring you together. I will make your family to be joyful and to be happy and to be prosperous. I will make your business to grow. Through all difficulties, I am with you always. And that just stirred my heart again. That's the truth of what we believe. But you know, you can walk away from that truth. And what I've experienced and observed during these difficult six, seven months all over the world. And you know that this has never happened in the history of the world. That the whole world was shut down. All over. It's never happened before. What also happened never before, that all the Jews were locked in on the eve of Passover. It's never happened before. So we're definitely living in very significant times. And through my reading in the Bible, I read through this little book of Jude. Jude. Now, many of you would not have known that this is a book in the Bible because it's not a very popular book. The other very short book, there are two very short books in the Bible. One is Jude. The other one is, can anyone tell me, not Henny, it's Abadiah. It's only one chapter and I think it's 23 verses. But this book of Jude, and interesting in English, it's called not Judas. It says that he didn't want to call him Judas because he didn't want to be associated with that other Judas. So he only called him Jude. And this Jude was also a half-brother of Jesus. And then he started his letter. Let's read through his letter. He calls himself a servant of Jesus Christ. And he's also a brother of James, who was also the half-brother. To those who have been called by God, who live in the love of God, the Father and the protection of Jesus Christ... May mercy, peace, and love be yours in full measure. It is wonderful just to remember this. What is in God's heart for every one, for every one of you today, is mercy, peace, and love, and all the other gifts. That is in art, in His heart, and it doesn't change. God doesn't change, my dear friends. And this is what stirred me when I read these following words. I was doing my best to write to you about the salvation we share in common when I felt the need of writing at once to encourage you to fight for the faith which once and for all God has given his people. For some godless people have slipped in unnoticed among us. Persons who distort the message about the grace of our God in order to excuse their immoral ways And we reject Jesus Christ, our only Master and Lord. Long ago, the Scriptures predicted the condemnation they have received. Just remember, this letter is written to Christians. It's not to the world. It's not published in the Sunday Times or, you know, the New York Times. It's written to Christians. For even though you know all this, I want to remind you of how the Lord once rescued the people of Israel from Egypt but afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. Remember the angels who did not stay within the limits of their proper authority, but abandoned their own dwelling place. They are bound with eternal chains in the darkness below, where God is keeping them for that great day on which they will be condemned. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah and the nearby towns. There were two others whose people acted as those angels and indulged in sexual immorality and perversion. They suffer the punishment of eternal fire as a plain warning to all. In the same way, also, these people have visions which make them sin against their own bodies. They despise God's authority and insult the glorious beings above. Not even the chief angel Michael did this. It is quarrel with the devil. When they argued about who would have the body of Moses, Michael did not dare condemn the devil with insulting words. He just said, the Lord will sort you out. But these people attack with insults anything they do not understand. These people are people then in the church. And those things that they know by instinct, like wild animals, are the very things that destroy them. How terrible for them. They have followed the way that Cain took. For the sake of money, they have given themselves over to the error that Balaam committed. They have rebelled as Korah rebelled, and like him, they are destroyed. With their shameless carousing, they are like dirty spots in your fellowship meals. They take care of only themselves. They are like clouds carried along by the wind, but bringing no rain. They are like trees that bear no fruit, even in autumn. Trees that have pulled up by the roots and are completely dead. Sorry. They are like wild waves of the sea, with their shameful deeds showing up like foam. They are like wandering stars for whom God has reserved a place forever in the deepest darkness. It was Enoch, the seventh direct descendant from Adam, Who long ago prophesied this this about them The Lord will come with many thousands of his holy angels To bring judgment on all To condemn them for all the godless deeds they have performed And for all the terrible words that godless sinners have spoken against him These people are always grumbling and blaming others They follow their own evil desires They brag about themselves and flatter others in order to get their own way But remember, my friends, that you were told in the past by the apostles of our Lord Jesus. They said to you, when the last days come, people will appear, will make fun of you. People will follow their own godless desires. These are the people who cause divisions, who are controlled by their natural desires, who do not have the spirit. Sorry, I missed something here, my... But you, my friends, keep on building yourselves up on your most sacred faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and keep yourselves in the love of God as you wait for our Lord Jesus in his mercy to give you eternal life. Show mercy towards those who have doubts. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. And to others show mercy mixed with fear, but hate their very clothes, stained by their sinful lusts. And then he ends. To him who is able to keep you from falling, and to bring you faultless and joyful before his glorious presence. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, and authority from all ages past and now and forever and ever. Amen. So Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, did not believe in Jesus while he was alive. He only started to follow Jesus after Jesus died, and he saw the terrible death, and he saw and experienced the resurrection of Jesus. From that time, he became a follower of Jesus. And this book was then, he was one of the, the elders in the Jerusalem church together with Peter and with uh, James and they they saw what happened in the world, exactly what happened to us when we are threatened like with this old COVID things, you start to sort of drift gently away and away and away, we can't meet then you think well maybe we can zoom but I sleep late today and Someone once said, "What you focus on, you empower." So, if you focus on all the bad news we are daily sort of bombarded with—how many people died, and this is this sort of so many people lost their jobs, and the economy is in tatters—and what, what, what? So, if we focus on that, and we start talking to one another about that, what it happens is it that empowers our thinking. It takes control of us. It drives you away from. Even the church, we couldn't meet. And I think I think in many of the traditional churches, some of the people that met because of the tradition, now they saw, well, it doesn't matter very much if I meet or not. I think the traditional churches will suffer a great loss because these people will think, well, nobody missed me. I didn't miss them, so goodbye. Bye-bye. I'm just done with this thing. So... This happened all around, you know, this letter was written, I think, about 80, 90, when James was older, maybe like me or even older, and they saw what happened. Jesus has been gone now for 50 years, and then they see, ooh, the Jesus, now we can't see him. You have to believe what is being told, and you say, oh, you know, you see all the other things happening in the world. So the faith started dropping, and then what happened Some people came into the church as believers, and they started uh, corrupting the creed. So what he said is, for instance, if you go back and read it again tonight, he says they are talking about Jesus, and they talks about immorality. And one of the things that happens, for instance, today, and if you read through the Bible, morality and also sexual purity figures quite strongly Right through the Bible From the Old to the New Testament And today many people say Oh you know what You can take pills and other measures You don't have to get pregnant Like in the olden days Being immoral Meant you could have become pregnant Everybody saw you and they rejected you Today nobody You can do whatever you want says These people came into the church And they said The grace of God covers everything Doesn't matter what you do you can do whatever, you can say whatever you, and maybe Jesus is not the only way. You know, maybe they corrupted the creed. When your creed is corrupted, the next thing that follows is your, the way you live, because you live from your faith, will also be corrupted. And then your character will be, say, oh well, you know, we have been doing this and sleeping together and nobody died, you know, so what? And we accept it. For instance, today, as you know, from that, call it gender-based stories, we say, oh, well, the world has changed. So we accept, for instance, people just living together or people having extramarital affairs as, you know, it's one of those things. We can't be too strict on that. He said, no, you must be very careful. Because these people will corrupt your creeds, they will corrupt your, your way of life, they will then affect your character. And in the end, you will start talking nonsense. That's what Jude says. He initially said, I want to talk to you about this wonderful faith, all the things that we've been singing about. Who's Jesus? What did he come to do? What did he do for you when you got saved and you became, we sang about this freedom, this absolute wonderful freedom. That's why James Also warns us, why Paul warns us, that's why Jesus said, be careful. You can't just go along and think, you know, grace covers all. Like we said, it's wonderful for me to hear what you as a church did, to come and say, and the Lord put it on your hearts to repent. Say, sorry, sorry. We are doing things that we think is correct, but it's nonsense. We are so sorry. Lord, we want to obey you. We want to follow your ways. So that's why Jude wrote this letter. And the other thing which kept in, they started talking, and many people today, and you will be confronted with that very often, they say, you know what, Jesus was a good man and a good teacher and all those things, but, you know, Muhammad, you know, if you look at them or Buddha or everything goes, in the big cities, you will be confronted in your workplace, at universities, in the schools. You will be confronted, but Jesus is one of many. And then Jude says, you know what? I know him. Like John said, we've touched him. We listened to him. We experienced him. I know. That's why I'm warning you. I'm telling you. He is the one. And these people said no. So also what happens, you know, when you are very strict... And you say, for instance, you become legalistic. You may not do this, and you may not do that. And you know, many of the old churches where we grew up, you know, there was one guy that that, um, he was not a Christian. And then at the age of 40 or something like that, he became a Christian. And the people said to him, yo, why did you take such a long time? He said, no, you know what? We lived right opposite the church, and it was a very traditional church. You know, some of these churches, they say stilter kerk. You know, see, on the, when you drive around, you know, when you go in there, everything must be quiet and holy. He lived there. And then he say, he saw the people coming to church. And he saw they were very sad. Uh, it looked like they are coming to a funeral. And they say, what, what has this got to do with your non-conversion? He said, no, you know, when I saw when they came out. I knew they were attending a funeral. I said, not for me, <laughs> thank you very much. So when you are legalistic, you say you may not do this. The opposite of that is like license, like what Jude said to these people. You now say, because of God's grace, everything goes. He will just cover with with his grace. But Jude says, you know what, that is not the truth. Because that's why he pulls out all these examples from the Old Testament that he knew. And the other thing which we do, we say we have liberty. License says you can sin. God will cover it with with his grace. Liberty says I, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have the power not to sin. And if I sin, I will say, oh, sorry, God, I don't want to willingly sin. We don't have a nature of sin anymore. I still have old habits that I'm gradually leaving behind, hopefully more than most of you. I've left some behind because of of my age, I've learned. So it's wonderful to live with these things. Now, what Jude said initially was about his faith. Now, it's very important. That's why we get together, because we share our faith. It strengthens us. It helps us to know this Jesus that we adore, that we love. He is truly the only one that was promised, that he came, he laid down his life. I'm sure many of you have watched The Chosen, the way they portray Jesus as one like us. And what he said, he was just very different in that he never sinned. So it's amazing to read through the book of Jude and then think about all the things that he says. Uh, I want to show you something else. What he starts with again, my mercy, grace, and that's wonderful. When, when Henny prayed for us as a family, for Erky and Lisa Marie, that wonderful prayer. It's in number six, numbers six. May the Lord shine His countenance on you. May He give you peace. And that may is not. The Lord will give it to you. You must just receive it. That's in His heart. It's yours. Take it. So we share this wonderful faith. Now, I just want to show you one scripture. There are many in the Old Testament. Because he used the example of what happened in the Old Testament. Now, in Jeremiah 32, you read these terrible words. And it's a very, very sad story. All the Jews had the blood on their doorposts. All of them were covered over by the blood of Jesus when they were taken out of Egypt All but two of them Died because of their disobedience It's a very sad story Now what, why did Why did Jude mention these things to us And all the other people Like Paul, Jesus said it Paul, James, Peter uh, Like the book of Revelations In the letters to the churches He says beware, I know you Change Repent because I want to bless you with good things. You just make it difficult for me because you are disobedient. So we must study ourselves. The wonderful news. Let me just go back a little bit. You can go and read it and think about it, the examples that he uses. He uses three interesting names. He speaks of Cain. He speaks of Biliam that had to be corrected by a donkey because of his stupidity and because of Korah. What these three things do, and remember, these things happen in the church. That's why he writes this letter to the church. Cain was filled with anger and jealousy and then he killed his brother. Biliam was filled with avarice or what do you call it, geldgierigheid. But greed. And therefore he he obeyed the other people. He used this gift of prophecy to prophesy against God's people. And then the other guy, Korah, was in opposition to Moses. He, Why must you be the leader? I you know, I'm the young and upcoming guy. And I and he started to spread these these words and tried he collected a gathering. And in the end the Lord said to him, You know what? You are not my chosen. You are not my called one. And the earth swallowed him. And then he goes to the angels, talks about the angels that rebelled. Go and read and think about why did he mention all those things? He said, for us. Be careful as a church that these things don't creep on. So then he gives us good advice. And this is where it stirred my heart. And then he said to me, if you read those words, but you... Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Then I asked myself, okay, it's nice to read it. How do you do it? If somebody would ask me, okay, how do you build yourself up? Because I'm a medical doctor, so if you ask me medical things, I can tell you what to do of certain aspects of medicine. Because I know. So if somebody asks you, how do you build yourself up in your most holy faith?' Tell me, what do you do? He said, Well, you know, you know, you know you sp- only suddenly you speak in tongues. Which is, which, you know, they make this joke of the, 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 the guy that was asked to pray over the food. So he said, Oh, dear God, They said, What? He said, No, you remember, I didn't talk to you. I was talking to God. <laughs> so sometimes you'll talk to God when the people ask you like this, How do you do that? So the challenge to you, which I felt to me, that's why I shared it with you, is how do you build up your faith? How do you grow your relationship with God? How do you become intimate with God? Now, fortunately, I'm blessed with um, many people around me that are intimate with God, and I'm blessed with a wonderful wife called Corin, and she is a lady that really walks with God. And when we sang that song, Uh, You are my song in the night. You know, I think of somebody who has that song, and it's her. So I asked her just to share with us, uh, to build us up, how she is intimate with God and what she does. Take off your mask. You can see a beautiful face. There you are. Yeah,
0: so one of the things... How we build ourselves up in my most holy faith is by being here today. Isn't that amazing? As simple as that. And it was so beautiful, the prophecy that came through and the encouragement that Henie came for us to rededicate our lives. That is building yourself up in your faith. Um, There's this beautiful scripture in Hosea 2. And I think many of us in in lockdown have felt that way. You want to hide? You know, we've been hiding away in our flats, in our homes, in our hearts. You feel isolated. Those first five weeks were devastating for some of us. So hard. And I, I was just reminded while sitting there about that beautiful scripture that says, My darling, my loved one, there in the cleft of the rock, come out there. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your face is beautiful and your voice is so sweet. Isn't that lovely? And I think that's what God is saying to you today. Because his word is the truth. Facts are devastating people. We've got them facing them daily in our workplace in our relationships, in our circumstances. But the truth is, is what God is saying to us today, through Jude and through his spirit, through the prophecy and the words that also came through. And there's this other scripture in Psalms that, that the, the Jews, when they were in the desert, they said, God, can you lay a table in the wilderness? <laughs> With their words... <laughs> And how did he lay a table in the wilderness? And we, some of us, are still in a wilderness situation. And the Lord is busy taking us through to the promised land. And he's getting us through the Jordan to take up that promised land that he has for us. It's a new season. It's a new dispensation, loved ones. We're thinking outside the box. We're doing stuff we never imagined we would be busy with if lockdown didn't happen. Isn't it beautiful? But they said, God, can you lay a table in the wilderness? And in Hosea 2, the Lord says, in verse 14, he says, Behold, I have lured you into the wilderness to speak tenderly to your heart. That's what lockdown was part of. God wanted to use lockdown, and he's still using the, the consequences of this or the results for lockdown to say to you, I am luring you into the desert because I want to speak tenderly to your heart. And the other thing that is a desert, there's no sideshows. There's nothing to distract me. <laughs> there's nothing. I'm right there face to face with him. And in Hosea 2 verse 14, he says a lot of things, but he says one thing. He says, I'm going to... Um, Restore your vineyards to you. I'm going to take the door of troubling and make it a door of hope for you. Isn't it amazing? This is how we're building each other up through the word of God that he's speaking to us this morning. It's like he's prophesying over us afresh and saying, I want to take your door of troubling and make it a door of hope I want to do something so miraculous through the gifts and the talents and the most magnificent deposit I've placed within you, what you would dreamt over when you were in your mommy's womb. That's what I've got for you in store. I took you out of certain situations because I want to speak tenderly to your heart. And then he goes on in Isaiah and he says, I'm going to remove warfare out of your family, people. Take that from God today. He's going to remove warfare out of your family relationships, out of your marriage situation, out of everything. And He says there's going to be peace. That's the inheritance for us today that He's bringing through building ourselves up, coming here today. This is the word He's giving. And then He says, you will no more call me my ball or my boss. You will call me my husband. What more intimate thing can a God say to you and me? I am your husband. What does a husband do, and what does a wife do? Because we are his bride. Sometimes we his naughty bride, eh? Because Hosea had, naughty, had a naughty bride, but every time, and today he's saying to his bride, "Stop being naughty. Stop being unfaithful. Stop looking around." Stop prostituting, my grace. Take me seriously. I'm your one and only lover. I want to love you. I want to provide for you, and I want to protect you. But when you run away to other lovers, the stuff he was talking about in Jude, he's gentle, you know. He doesn't kick down doors. But he is saying to you, come out there. I want to see your face because your face is Beautiful. And your voice is so sweet. What happens in a marriage situation, in intimacy? What happens? There's kissing that happens, isn't there? <laughs> there's hugging and there's loving. So in, in Psalm 2, verse 12, Jesus says, um, kiss the son. The father says, kiss the son. So I said, Lord, but how do I kiss you? How can you asked me to repeat this for the married couples, so Please forgive me if it's coming back again to you. He said, How do I kiss you, Lord? Because your spirit, and the Lord says, You kiss me through obedience. You kiss me through time spent with me alone, because that's when kissing and intimacy are sweet and warm and glorious. You kiss me with thanksgiving. You kiss me with worship, what we did this morning. That's all I want from you is just to love upon me and kiss me and just do the stuff I ask you as my wife and my darling, and my beloved bride. And then, you know, that scripture in Revelation 2 where it talks about I have one thing against you, you've lost your first love. And that song, he's jealous for me, you know, that song. He's jealous for you. Do you understand that? He's jealous for you. He is jealous for you. He's one husband, and you be his one wife. And I'd like just like to, I don't know what more to say really, but I want to say to you today, and that is, is that he says, I want to kiss you too. I kiss you today with forgiveness for what you did that was wrong and for walking in the ways of William and Korach and whatever. And it's not a donkey that's bringing you back. It's my Holy Spirit speaking to your heart today and say, I have forgiven you. I'm kissing you with forgiveness today. Just accept that kiss and forgive yourself. It's okay. I've forgotten the past. doesn't matter anymore. He kisses us with provision. Do you know when you walk with Jesus, he says, I am your provider, Jehovah Jireh. Don't worry if you haven't a job presently and you are on workman's compensation or whatever they call it. I don't know what it's called, but anyway, whatever it is, that's fine. I am your provider. I own the hills. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I have a storehouse in heaven to provide for you. Relax into me. Rest in me, and I will do it all for you. He says, I want to protect you. You know, protection is something we need these days in South Africa. <laughs> Just thank him. He says, I'm kissing you with protection daily, but you need to come aside into the secret place of the Most High to hear from me, to tell you where you must go and where you mustn't go, who you must deal with in business and who you mustn't deal with. Because that's my protection. But you cannot hear from me if you don't come into the secret place. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall go out into the shadow of the Almighty. Do you know how close the shadow is? People, it's there, right there, all the time, walking in the shadow. And the secret place is staying in Christ. My secret place, my secret place is in the morning when I take up the word get up earlier, spend time in his presence before the family rise, you can't afford not to hear his voice you can't afford not to hear your lover kissing you with mercy, with grace, with peace, with joy, with self-control, the stuff which you're going to be challenged with in your workplace the stuff you're going to be challenged with in your daily walk in your husband your wife, your children In the secret place, he imparts it to you. And when he gives you his word, it's like that seed in 1 Peter where he says, My word, my word is seed. My word is my sperm that I plant within you. And it births new life daily in you as you read it, as you meditate it. And out of it, other people are going to be born and find life and find forgiveness. So I'd just like to end with, um, with this amazing knowledge that what happens in the secret place with Jesus, my spirit, my soul, and my body come together, all three, because my spirit comes alive in Christ. My spirit man, but is seated with Christ in heavenly places, starts dictating to my soul my will, my thoughts, my emotions, and he says to them, behave. He guides them. His light, the glorious light of Christ that's living within me where I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places starts telling my will, my thoughts and my emotions what to do every day. And my will and my thoughts and my emotions start dictating to my body. And instead of hitting, I'm comforting. Instead of cursing, I'm blessing. Instead of retaliating, I turn the other cheek. And instead of paying evil with evil, I bless and I do not curse. So these are the things that I just felt I needed to share with you today. And none of us, none of us are exempt from the secret place. Isn't that wonderful? That God says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Not only that, he also says to us, I am with you. Come unto me, all you are weary, and I will give you rest. I think this means I've said enough.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. Beautiful, truthful words. And uh, the other thing, just to remind you of, is that build yourself up in the Word of God and speak in tongues. Corrin mentioned it. If you don't know what to pray, pray in tongues. And we also had the wonderful invitation that then he responded to all oh, that wonderful song that was sung, come to me. And that is what God, he says to us today. Come to me, because with me is life. With me is everything you need. Everything you need is in me. We also sing that song wonderfully. Now, Watching for others, he just said, "We must care for the others outside." He's also in Jude when he comes back in the end. He says, "Those of us that have drifted away, which you know, go back to them and lure them back with love." And but be careful and don't fall in the trap. You know, especially he talks about being don't be sort of fouled by their clothes. I think he speaks of sexual sins. But then he ends. He's so amazing. Our, our, our able God, he is able to keep you. He's able to keep me. And he's so wonderful, and that's what also it's said in, in, all over in the word, by all, by Jesus, by all the apostles. The message for us today from Jude in the end, he says, To him who is able to keep you from falling and to bring you faultless and joyful into his glorious presence that's what i want to be to the only god and savior through jesus christ our lord the glory the majesty the might everything the authority all belongs to him from ages past now and forever and ever amen thanks for listening to this message from shofar Joberg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons,
0: please visit our website at www.shofar.joberg.com.